Welcome to the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Today we will learn how marriages become broken down and how to identify those broken things. So here it is, finding that cute little fixer upper, why your marriage needs fixing. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Wherefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to be able to come to church and to open the word of God and to learn uh, from your word today. And I pray that you would help us to take the words of scripture and apply them to our marriage. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So as we delve into this lesson today, The fixer-upper marriage is our theme for this year. And today's lesson is finding that cute little fixer-upper, the little house that you find that needs fixing up, and you fix it up and make it nice. And our marriages are a lot like that. Why your marriage needs fixing is the subtitle. Why your marriage needs fixing. Whether it's a brand-new house. I've never owned a brand-new house, but I know people who've got into a brand-new home, and it's so exciting for them. It's like everything's brand new. God gave us a, a car, a new van recently, and it's not brand new, but it was only three months old when we got it. It still even has the new car smell. You know, but of course, we were fine driving what we were, but God just worked it out where we could get something a little more reliable than what we had. But you know, everything's new. It's like brand new. Like you walk into a, a new home and everything's like brand new. When we first got married, there was these magical moments of marriage. You know, I first met that moment when time stood still and I look back, I still remember the moment that I first saw my wife. And in my mind, it didn't at the time, it didn't seem like that much of a big deal at the time. But now I look back on it, it's like everything just kind of stood still when I saw her for the first time. And I remember the first time we spoke and then we had our first date, you know, our first real date or our first courtship or whatever you want to call it. And I drove up to, to see her in North Carolina and her dad was, they had a 600 foot driveway and her dad was on the front porch and he had this really high powered rifle, like, you know, he was Rambo or something protecting his daughter from me. I remember that first date, the first time I went to see her and I brought her flowers and a little stuffed animal. And then I remember that magic moment when it was new and we got engaged. I remember I bought that ring 
and I showed it to my parents and I showed it to my pastor. And then I went and I asked, I popped the question and my wife said yes. And so that was a big moment for me, that magic moment, those memories that we have. And then I remember my wedding day. You know, that was probably, I know being saved is like the most important day that you could ever have. You know, that's the most important moment of my life. But you know, when I got married, I think that was the happiest moment of my life. I was so happy to finally, we could finally be together. We had waited and planned and now we could finally be together. And then the first kiss and the first, when we went on our honeymoon and everything was new. It's like that brand new house. I mean, everything's new. The newness of marriage. I mean, nothing could go wrong. You know, when we first got married, we didn't have any money. But it was okay. We were broke, but it was okay because we were in love. You know, we, who cares if we have any food? We have each other, right? And no food. It was okay. No extras, but that was okay. I mean, nothing was wrong with each other. You know what? My wife never got on my nerves. I never got on her nerves. We were just in love and we were just happy. Everything was new. And then the ignorance, they say ignorance is bliss. And that's the way, that's the way it is. You know, when we first get married, it's like we're just ignorant about each other and about things. You know, I honestly knew very little about being a husband when I got married. I mean, they don't offer training courses how to be a husband. I mean, I've been in church my whole life. Nobody ever offered me, hey, hey, we're going to have a class for a single young man. And this is where we'll teach you how to be a husband. No, there was never anything like that. So I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. There's very little preaching or teaching about it. It's mentioned in passing. I knew very little about being married. I mean, we were just in love. I mean, we just wanted to be together. And marriage is one of those things a lot of times where we just caught up. We get caught up in it. It's just like on the job, like on the job learning. And that's the way it was when I first got married. Everything was brand new. We just learned everything on the fly, so to speak. It's like everything was brand new. It's like a house where everything works. But then it's not long before things become like a fixer upper. I mean, you become that fixer-upper before you even realize it. I mean, the real moments that happen, the first fight. You know, I learned really quick the value of chocolate and flowers. I don't know why, but somehow chocolate seems to fix everything. I don't know how that works, but if, if I've done something wrong and I've upset my wife, she's having a hard day, and I've said the wrong thing, I did the wrong thing, if I can just get that box of chocolates and bring them home. It just seems to smooth over everything. But then we had that first fight. And then we had our first kid and all the time that it took to have the first kid. Now, before it was just us and we were in love and so happy and so excited. And then we have a kid and we're so excited. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. That's all here. We're going to have a baby. We're going to have a baby. And you have the baby and it's like all this work. I mean, constantly when you first bring the baby home, it's like every hour you got to change a diaper or feed the baby. The baby's always crying. Real life starts to happen and there's real challenges. And, you know, I don't know what it was. We first got married. We were broke. I mean, we didn't have anything and we were so happy. We didn't. We didn't have any, I could go into detail, we didn't have hardly anything, but we were so happy because we were in love, we were married. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when things changed. But all of a sudden, we had financial straits. The first financial strait that we had, I remember, it was just, we were out of money. We're out of money. Why did that all of a sudden matter? But that's what happens to our marriage. You know, we just get used to things. The fixer, we become that fixer-upper marriage. When the news starts to wear off, 
somehow one life becomes two. And we were so happy. We were so together all the time. And now it's like she has her life and I have my life. Somehow the honeymoon becomes a fight. Somehow hot passion becomes a cold shoulder. It's not new anymore. Things get old. Things start to break down in a house. I mean, the carpet gets stained. The kids spill things on the carpet and the walls get messed up and things start to break down. And Brother Patrick knows all about air conditioners and air conditioners break down and keep uh, knowledgeable men like Brother Patrick in business. But then things start to mess up. Appliances start. Isn't that aggravating when an appliance, the washing machine goes out? Oh, my goodness. It's terrible. And the dishwasher goes out. It is hard work to wash dishes, isn't it? And it's terrible when the dishwasher goes down and now you have to do it by hand. But that's what starts happening in the house. And sometimes things, serious problems start to develop. You know, a few years ago, from the outside of our house, everything looked fine, but we had a very, very serious problem. The septic lines were messed up. And it started out, and we went to flush the toilet, and it seemed like it took forever for the water to go down. And it started really, really bothering me. Something is wrong, and I don't understand what's going on. Something is not right. And then one day, the bathtub filled up with dirty water. Oh, my goodness. But the outside, everything looked okay. But we had some serious issues in the house. I mean, it was awful. I had to pay a lot of money. Guys came out with heavy equipment and dug up the whole yard to fix that problem. But we had a problem that nobody knew about. When they looked on the outside, everything seemed okay. But that's the way marriage is sometimes. You know, everything seems okay from the outside. We look around and it looks like everything's fine. But there's beneath the surface, inside the house, there's some serious issues going on. There's some things that really need fixing. And it's not long before... Problems on the inside of our marriage, they come out, don't they? And we see people and it's like a shock. Oh, my goodness, they're going to get divorced. And but the whole time behind the scenes, we all know there were problems. And that's the way it is. Things start to break. Things go wrong. There's a value in maintenance. You know, you can prevent big problems by fixing little problems when they happen. It's like that in your house. You know, th- something maybe seem kind of small. If you'll take care of it while it's small then it'll be okay later. It's like preventive maintenance. You know, my dad always said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He always said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I get what he was saying. But you know, sometimes in marriage and sometimes in life, it's better to go ahead and fix the problem before it becomes a major problem. And sometimes it's good to have preventive maintenance in marriage. It's the same thing when you see things start to go wrong. When you see things start to fall apart, when you have an issue, sometimes it's best to take care of it while it's a small issue because small issues become big issues, don't they? And sometimes we just get used to things being messed up. There's this TV show called Hoarders. It's a terrible, terrible show if you ever watched it. I mean, the content, I mean, I guess it's entertaining and all, but man, when you watch it, you just want to clean your house. I mean, you just want to scrub everything and wash your hands like a hundred times. But they find people that and they call them hoarders because they have some kind of psychological problem where they just hoard things up and they let things build up in their house. And it just gets full of trash. And it's like it's like normal to them. I mean, they're living in a trash can like I mean, everything is just a complete total chaos. And they have to bring a therapist in to help the person. And then they have to bring dump trucks in to try to 
haul everything away and they had to bring crews out to clean. And people just they got used to it. They just sat in there and they just kept hoarding things up and hoarding things up. And it's, they just got used to it being that way. You know, marriage is that way. Sometimes things go wrong in our marriage and things get kind of messy. And we just kind of just let it go. And things just kind of build up and build up and build up and build up. And we just get used to it. I mean, there's no passion, no intimacy, no close conversations, no real marriage the way that God intended. You know, we ignore the one person that that God gave us to pay attention to. We ignore the one person until one of us is so out of hand that it's just a complete marriage mess in our life. But that happens because we don't deal with little messes that happen, little things that happen. And all of a sudden, we're like hoarders. We've hoarded everything up in our marriage and things are just out of hand. But why? Why does your marriage need fixing? Why does it need fixing? Because of the holiness that marriage creates. Because of the holiness that marriage creates. The ceremony of marriage is a sacred event. You know what? When we held hands and we stood on the altar and we said our wedding vows, it was a, a sacred event that occurred, a sacred transaction. God is the one who invented marriage, and marriage is between a man and a woman. God created man and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. I mean, he sat back and he looked at the situation. And so he said, this is not a good thing for man to be alone. And so he creates woman. And when he creates this woman, it's like now the better half. Now he creates the other half of the man. It's a help. The Bible says that's meat for him. So God created man and he created, he made marriage. He invented it. It's a sacred act when we get married. The wrong things outside of marriage, you know, there are so many things that were wrong outside of marriage. You know, growing up, you know, I heard all these things that were wrong, that were things that were so wrong. And you know, those things, when we get inside marriage, those things are actually right. Those things are actually holy. That's right. God made man and God made woman. God made marriage. The wrong things outside of marriage and your wedding vows. We're before God. The promises that we make to each other are promises that we make before God. The words that we say when we say that on our, our wedding vows is a sacred act when we get married. The act of marriage is holy. Being married in God's will, wait for this, makes you holy. That's right. You can take all the independent Baptist checklists that we have, the things that we think are going to make us holy, and you can check all those things that you're not supposed to do and check all of them out. But if your marriage is not right, you're not holy. Marriage can make you holy. You're not holy if you're not holy in your marriage. When you think about what your spouse has done, this is what people say, you won't believe what my spouse did. You won't believe the way he treats me. Consider the way that you treat Christ. Her marriage is a type of Christ in the church. And by being married to each other and by having a loving relationship, you are being holy. You are practicing a holy practice that God has put in the scriptures. I speak a mystery, the Bible says, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Consider the way your spouse makes you feel. How hard it is. It's so hard to love my spouse because what he did or what she said to me. You know, how must God feel toward us the things that we say to him? How must it make him feel the way that we treat him? Being married can make you holy because we learn 
how to forgive, and we learn how to live with each other even when it's hard. The picture that it draws to a lost and dying world. You have a marriage that's that's holy. It's the image of Christ in the church. What a picture it is for a lost and dying world to see a man and a woman who make this vow to each other and they're happily married and they're madly in love and they're always together. What an incredible picture it paints to a lost and dying world. No wonder Satan tries so hard to tear marriages apart. No wonder he tries to sneak all these distractions in. No wonder he tries so hard to destroy marriage. It's because of what? The picture that it draws. It's that holy act of being married and being in love and being together in God's will. The image of Christ in the church. The living of marriage is designed by God. Sometimes marriage is neglected for good things. And I said this last week, so I'll just say it again. The greatest ministry that anyone could ever have is marriage. The greatest ministry that a man could have is being married to his wife, is being a husband to his wife. The greatest ministry that a woman could have is being a wife to her husband. Now, before there was ever a church, before there was ever any ministries, before there was ever anything great to do, God made man and God made woman and God made marriage. The living of marriage is designed by God. It's the greatest ministry, the greatest ambition. The neglect of marriage. Sometimes we neglect marriage for things, for hobbies and things that we get all entangled up with for social media. I mean, who needs soap operas? And you people that used to watch soap operas, I guess they're still on, but who needs them anymore when you have Facebook and social media? I had no idea that that was going on in that person's life, but I saw on Facebook. And you can actually go on Facebook and troll people. You can go on social media and you can troll and find out all about what people have been doing, all about what their past is, all about their ex-wife, all about, oh, look, they used to be with her, now they're with him. Oh my goodness, look at their boy. They used to be boyfriend. They used to date and now they're married. Now they're, oh, now they go to church together. I mean, who needs a soap opera when you can get all entangled up in social media? Well, what about your spouse? We spend hours and hours online and we neglect this marriage relationship that God has given us, this opportunity to be holy, this opportunity to enjoy one another, neglect of marriage. For sometimes it's good things and sometimes it's just for things. And sometimes we neglect marriage for bad things. How many people say, my needs weren't being met. So I went somewhere else to have them met. You didn't meet my needs. You want to point the finger. You did not meet my needs that I had. And so I looked somewhere else. I found someone else. I found something else. But you know what? When you say that you failed to meet your spouse's needs, you were so focused on you being happy and you being in love that you failed to find the holiness that was there in your marriage. Number two, because of the lives that marriage affects. Because of the lives that fix your marriage needs fixing because of the lives that marriage affects. The audience of marriage the world that needs a witness, the people that you impact every day. You know, when you badmouth your spouse, it's like the church badmouthing Christ. You won't believe what my husband did. You won't believe he, he had the audacity to say this to me. When you badmouth your spouse, it's just like the church badmouthing Christ. What a terrible image that presents to this world, the audience of marriage, the products of marriage, the children it affects. 
You know what? You can be married, but not have a marriage. You can be married, but not have a marriage. The people of marriage. Your spouse is worth worth the work. Your love is worth salvaging. Your relationship is worth putting in the effort to make it right. Number three, because of the meaning that marriage gives. The investment of marriage. Putting the work into your marriage will produce results. Investing your time and your interest in your marriage works. The incentives of marriage. Seeking to make your marriage right will make you holy. And then as a side effect of making you holy, it will also make you happy. The the act of seeking to make your marriage right. The intent of marriage, two lives becoming one, is worth it because the meaning of marriage, the fulfillment of a lifetime together. Don't give up. Don't settle on just being married. Settle on having a good marriage. But God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the privilege it is to come to your house and share the Word of God. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply the principles of marriage, apply these principles from the Scriptures to our marriage, and may we enjoy the fruits of, of living for you and living a holy life inside of our marriage relationships. We ask these things in your name. Amen.